say, find what you truly like. So, um, and, and just put, put that into it. And, um, you know, for me, that's CrossFit. For me, that's meditation. For me, that's trying to eat better because I know it makes me feel better. Um, and just trying to help other people. So, and that's where I put my effort into now. Um, and that is what keeps me being a better person every day. And that's my goal. Just every day trying to be a little bit better. As fitness enthusiasts, we love to hear human interest stories where exercise and community have played a vital role in the transforming of people's lives. Behind any documentary are hours and hours of footage left behind on the editing room floor. Oftentimes, as viewers of these remarkable stories, we are left wanting more. We've created Beyond the Journal to dig a little deeper, hear how their 15 minutes of fame has impacted their journey. We'll see where they are now and what's next. If you like what you hear, please write a review, give us a five-star rating, and subscribe to the podcast. We're also available on YouTube for your viewing pleasure. You can check us out there at the Clydesdale Fitness and Friends. Hey everyone, welcome to Beyond the Journal with the Clydesdale and Cat. Uh, this is a this is a podcast if you're not familiar with, where we take those journal stories that we all love and have read and watched over the years, and we dig in a little deeper. Uh, and we find out where those people are today after recording that video. And today we have a special guest with us, Haley Marone. Hey, Haley, how are you? Good. How are you doing, Scott? Hi, Kat. Hi. Uh, we are so excited to talk to you. You had a journal story that actually is pretty recent. It's only been out for like, what, four weeks? Yeah, yeah, I think so. It's been quite a whirlwind over like the past two months with the video being, you know, filmed and then uh, kind of coming out. So that was really exciting. And what is the title of your video? <laughs> oh, <gosh>. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I feel awful. I don't really even remember. I think it's Finding My Place, Haley Maroon, find, Finding My Place. Oh my goodness, I feel awful now, but yeah. <laughs> oh, that's fine. I'm sure you have a lot going on in your life right now, which we'll get into throughout the interview. Yes. Um, so what we'll do is we'll put a link to your original journal story in the, in, the, in the YouTube and on the podcast, as well as our website. So people can go look at that as well as watch this podcast. Sounds great. <laughs> so let's go ahead and get started from the beginning. Uh, your your journal story kind of opens up about a very um, rough childhood, yes. and that you were sexually abused by your grandfather, and your earliest recollection of that, and I think that's important, it's just your earliest recollection, was at the age of four. Yes. Yes, it was. Um, that's, you know, probably as early as my memories go back. Um, I kind of remember being around four years old and, you know, being at a sleepover. So that's kind of where those memories stemmed. And then over the years, you know, just kind of experiencing it more frequently and in, in different situations. So um, it was, you know, a really confusing time for me as a child because it was my grandfather. So it was someone that I did love and trust. Um, and, you know, it, it, it was, but also at the same time, I knew, you know, that wasn't normal. That wasn't a normal relationship um, because I had cousins who had different grandparents. So kind of hearing their relationships, I knew that wasn't right. It wasn't something that was supposed to be happening to me. Did, did your experience force you to ask your cousins to find out that it was different? Because at four, I, I'm not even sure you have the cognition to know it wasn't that I ever asked, and um, a lot of that was probably, you know, being, you know, guided by my grandfather to, to be quiet and keep it a secret, like it was our kind of little secret. So I, I didn't really ask, and I never told either. Um, it wasn't, you know, my mom had to confront me about it. So it was, must have been signs that she was seeing within me that had her confront me about it. So it's at the age of 10 where it becomes, it gets discovered. 
And that came, I guess, from your mom asking you some questions. Yeah. Yeah. I remember the day my grandfather had actually dropped me off. We had gone to a visit to see my uncle and um, he had dropped me off and I walked in the door. My mom was cooking dinner at the stove and, you know, she just kind of asked me how it was and then just kind of asked me, you know, if he was ever touching me inappropriately. And that's right when everything came out. I was honest and I told her uh, right away. Looking back, I think it was that that's what I needed. That was my escape right there. So, and I took it as soon as I saw it. And so looking at that, your life had to like flip upside down at that point. And you talk just very briefly in the documentary that you were questioned by police uh, mm -hmm. and, and the family and things like that. So what, what was that like at that time? It had to be crazy. It, it was hard. It was, there was a lot of, um, shame I think that kind of came along with it and it wasn't shame that was put on me by anyone else I was told through the whole process that it wasn't my fault but just knowing having to go to the police station and being asked these questions and kind of having to give such intimate um, details as a 10 year old it really did mess me up in a lot of ways um, and then you know getting right into therapy it was great but once again it was i knew well not all my friends had to go to therapy and they didn't have these experiences so it almost already separated me and put me kind of as an outsider i feel like um and then on top of that i did have family who didn't believe me so um my i had an uncle who didn't believe me and they, you know, we didn't have a relationship with them after that. And my grandmother also stayed with my grandfather and I was very close to her. So that kind of messed me up as well. I think wow. those relationships, yeah. So as a 10 year old, you're, you're now separated from your family because of something your grandfather did. And, um, and therapy at 10 years old, that's got to be weird because you have to rehash all that again and, and try to get sift through that. And so even though they're telling you it's not your fault, you're seeing all this breakdown over what you said. Mm -hmm. So, so how are you coping during that time? Well, I definitely went inward even more. I say now as an adult, my greatest defense is being able to just swallow things. And that's definitely something over the past few years that I've had to learn to kind of break down. Um, yeah, I can shove things down. I'm a great shover downer. And I always say I buried it with food. So I shoved down the emotions and then I just kind of buried it with food. And, you know, food and, and growing up in my house, it was a lot of junk. We had a lot of sodas. We had um, a lot of like Doritos, you know, like all the junk food. So coming home from school, already feeling isolated from everyone else and not having too many close friendships, I, I just really started just kind of coming home and, and eating food, sitting down in front of the TV. That's kind of what became my friend. Um, and it was hard. I was, and that's, I started getting bullied at that time too. I, I always laugh now. I, um, I'm going to apologize real quick. I forgot about the train that comes by. You might hear it in the background. <laughs> okay. It just adds ambiance. Yeah. Oh boy. You know, at the age of 10, I started gaining weight. I was always a little bit heavier, um, but looking back now at pictures, I'm almost kind of mad at some people <laughs> who made me feel like I was bigger than I was um, because I, it was really around the age of 10 that I started gaining a lot of weight because I was pretty active. I, I was in dance class and gymnastics, and I would spend hours just dancing in my backyard and doing you know, all sorts of gymnastics. Um, and cheerleading and then you know kind of when everything started coming out and I started going more inward I, I lost interest in all of those activities so that's you know not being active and um, you know then starting to get bullied for my weight I remember in fifth grade I did a dance recital a talent show 
and I did a dance routine to CNC Music's factories. I think it's like feel the vibration or something. Afterwards, two boys came up to me and they were like, oh yeah, we felt the vibrations. Like just really, I think that moment was a, like I still remember it, I'm 38 years old. And so it was a pivotal moment into like kind of why I stopped dancing. Um, and, and just really starting to feel the um, embarrassment of my weight. What was, uh, what was the relationship like with your mom? Because it sounds like, I, I know, I've heard of a lot of victims of sexual abuse, you know, don't have a family member that even believes them or supports them and things like that. So did you have a very different relationship with your mom sort of during this time when you were trying to deal with this? Did she sort of experience the same emotional, you know, distress that you did? I think so. I think, you know, it was her mom, her job as a mom to um, protect her kids. And what are you going to do in that situation, especially when it's a family member? Um, and now being a mom myself, I feel like there's a little bit part of me that maybe, it, you know, if I ever did feel kind of any, you know, feelings of like, well, why didn't you notice or why didn't you notice sooner? Um, like as a mom now, I've kind of forgiven that. And, you know, I, I understand that um, there wasn't anything she could have done. And when she did kind of notice those signs, she did pull me out of that situation. And she did what she was supposed to do as a mom. Always supported me, always believed me, never questioned me. Um, she did get me into therapy. And she did that later on too. As a teenager, kind of going into high school, I struggled a lot. So she got me back into therapy then. So, you know, we, I was a teenager and I was going through a lot. So our relationship was really rocky for a lot of years. Um, but she never made me feel like it was my fault. So. So you talk about those rough teenage years and in the documentary, you talk about that food was an addiction and you, you say you shoved that down, but you also turn to, I think you said drugs, alcohol, sex, cigarettes. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, anything that was kind of, well, at that time I thought it was fun. Right. And it was taking my mind off of everything and it was allowing me to uh, fit in, in a way. That's kind of the crowd that I was hanging out with. That's what they were doing. And they were the first crowd to kind of, you know, in a way be accepting of me. Um, and I'll always say like, I, I have some of the best friends in the world because they got me through some of the hardest times. And I had a lot of friends who also understood so whether or not their trauma was the same as mine, we were all kind of broken in our own way. And we all kind of leaned on each other. We were bad influences on each other for sure, but um, we definitely cared about each other, so. So do you think turning to that was more of that became your peer group or was it a coping mechanism to get away from what you had experienced? I think definitely both. Um, I, you know, I used it to kind of, you know, sex, I think I was young and I do joke around that I was, I only had sex with three people, but I was 14 when I lost my virginity. So I was very young. I have a 15 year old son now. And just thinking about that hurts me. It hurts the 14 year old me. Um, but it, it was a way to make me feel like, Looking back on it now, I think take back my sexuality that was taken from me. Um, and I was exposed to it at a really early age. So me looking back at 14, that to, I, at the time, I, you know, I was like, well, you know, I've already kind of experienced more than the normal person. Um, of course, now I know that is definitely not, um, you know, something that, you know, I would, you know, encourage or, and trust me with my 15 year old son, I'm definitely trying at all costs to make sure that he is not in any way being sexually active. But, you know, for me at the time, it definitely was that opportunity to take that back, maybe a little bit of that control that was taken from me. Yeah, I can see that. Um, and then you also talked about skateboarding. Mm-hmm. Uh, so You'd given yeah. up all these things that you love, like dance and cheer and, and all that. And then you, you kind of found this thing that you really wanted to do. Yes. 
but at the time you just weren't capable. Right. Yeah. After high school, um, a bunch of us would kind of uh, walk skate on over to the local skate shop and we'd hang out there afterwards. And, you know, it was, I would watch all my friends just doing these awesome tricks. There were like little ramps set up in the back of the skate shop. And um, I actually, you know, went to, you know, the uh, Vans Warp Tour. They would always be skating there. I remember, um, you know, the Snowcore Tour was all about kind of like that skateboarding culture and stuff. And that's what I was really into around like that 14, 15 year old age range. But yeah, every time I would try or, you know, like even in school running the mile, I'd be out of breath. And so it was embarrassing. So trying to be physically active, but struggling, especially in front of like all of the cute guys around me, um, it definitely um, sabotaged my confidence to, and the ability to want to even try to, you know, get better at it. Yeah. And you were diagnosed with asthma as well. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that was like my 18. I was um, 18. It was on Halloween and I had, um, I had developed pneumonia, but also it was like asthma. Um, that had brought it on. So I ended up in the hospital. That was the first time over of probably five or six times over the next, I'd say 12 years that I ended up in the hospital because of my asthma. Wow. So at a very early age, I think it was 16, you met your husband? Um, I was 17 and he was 16. Oh, okay. So you were the older woman. Yeah, I'm the older woman. <laughs> I say that I was 17 and he was 16 when we met because it sounds better, but like the next month I turned 18. So I'm technically almost two years older than him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my wife is three years older than me, so. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So how did you guys meet? Um, we met at a punk rock show. Um, I had kind of, that was one of the best years best few years of my life is um it was a place called Heaster's Lanes and I would help the owner or the guy who would run the show Frank I would help him run the shows so I'd either run the front door or hand out flyers or whatever it would be and I was waiting at the front door for the doors to open and I looked out and I saw him and I actually got the nerve to walk out front and talk to him so that was crazy. We didn't start dating until like three months later, but that was the night that we met. That's awesome. So did that punk rock scene give you like a sense of community? Oh, definitely. And I like, I'm still great friends with all of those people to this day. Um, we still in contact, you know, with most of them. And yeah, it was very, I think it was the first scene that I was into that it, it wasn't kind of about how I, I looked. Um, in a way, because we all had the spiky hair and, and all of that fun stuff. But like my physical body, nobody cared. I didn't get bullied. It was like the first time I never really got bullied in my life was when I got into that crowd. So Kat, I don't know if you know this, she loves tattoos. Nice. <laughs> she has several. Um, and I saw that you were a tattoo artist for a while. Yes. Yep. For a few years, I was a tattoo artist. I apprenticed um, under one of my friends from high school, actually, and uh, tattooed for quite a few years. I started out as a body piercer, and then I, I really wanted to get into the tattooing, though. So I did. I tattooed for quite a few years. Um, and then, you know, I had a bad back. So mm -hmm. it was leaning over tattooing for all of that time. It just got to the point where you know, if it was anything longer than an hour and a half, like it was a struggle to get out of that chair to stand up. So I kind of gave up on that as well. Have you given yourself any tattoos? Yeah, I did actually. Yeah. I have that one right there. <laughs> you did that on yourself? Yeah. Yep. Wow. And I one on my thigh too that I did. So. Okay. And your husband, how many, how many uh, pieces of ink does he have by you? He probably has like a lot, <laughs> like probably 15 close to maybe 12, 15 of mine. So. Wow. That's super cool. Yes. He was definitely my uh, guinea pig. Your so. guinea pig. Yeah. I figured. And he so, wears it proudly. <laughs> of course, as he should. So apparently you're a very creative person. Yes. To, to yes. be an artist, to do tattooing. So where did that come from? 
were you always that way growing up or did you, was it a late discovery? Um, I think my family is just a creative family. My entire family are musicians. Unfortunately, I did not get that. That's the one creative trait I did not pick up. Um, but yeah, my brothers both play guitar. My dad plays guitar. My mom sings. They were in a band. My parents were in a band for a long time, years. They were in a country band. So I thought it was really dorky then because I was a teenager. But now I think it's pretty cool. And um yeah, my brother, he still plays in a band. Both uh, uh, my brothers are great artists as well. So I think maybe it's a little bit of uh, it runs in the family and then a little bit of, you know, I spent a lot of time by myself and that creative expression, I think is beneficial. Like looking back on it now, they do art therapy. Um, but, you know, back then, I think I just kind of gave myself art therapy. <laughs> I just love to draw and paint and everything. So, and when you were tattooing, was that a release as well? It just definitely. I love getting into just a piece, and I think the cool thing about tattooing for me is I'm kind of an impatient person. I like to sit down and knock out a project in one, and I notice sometimes, like in high school and right out of high school, when I would paint, um, and I just. I would get impatient with it. I wanted to finish it all at once. And then it never kind of looked final and complete to me. I think the cool things about tattooing is, I mean, there are definitely big pieces that take longer than that, but I could just sit down and just really get into a piece and just complete it all in like one sitting or maybe two sittings at max. And um, there's something about that, that kind of um, lent to you know, my impatience, um, and my ability to express myself, which was really cool. What I love about your story is that, you know, the therapy, therapy can be done in so many different ways. And, um, some things that we, you would never think about that could be therapy for someone tattooing is not something that comes to the top of the list. Yeah. But I think if you ask any great tattoo artist too, they'll, they'll all kind of, I think it's, any art form and and you can even kind of transition this into a workout if you've ever just really been in the middle of it there's almost something where it that ability to push yourself or just kind of get lost in it um you don't have to think about anything else right we sort of talk about sometimes like going to the gym and getting that good workout in is a release from all the stress from the day because when you're in it you just get lost in it and everything else doesn't matter at that moment. So I think that's just what I loved about tattooing. And what I love got runners high. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. All right. So let's, you talk CrossFit. So how much weight did you put on uh, before you found CrossFit? Um, well, like I was around 254 the last time I went to the doctor. And then after that, I didn't go to the doctor for quite some time. Um, so Are I we just, talking years? Yeah, um, I would say about eight months. I, I had a lot of chronic lower back issues for years and years. A few years ago, I was diagnosed with a slip disc. So I have a slip disc in my lower back and it's pinching that nerve that runs down the leg. So I had, I had a lot of issues with that. And um, we were in Germany, so I was going to a, a German chiropractor, which was kind of how I was persuaded to go back into CrossFit a little bit more, um, which is ironic because most of the time um, in the States, at least from my experience, you know, certain chiropractors are like, quit CrossFit, quit, you know, um, yoga. I was actually told by a, a, a physical therapist to quit yoga. So it's just kind of crazy, the dynamic, but yeah, I was going to a German chiropractor. So that's kind of how I was pushed into going to CrossFit. And then I had gone back to the doctor to kind of get my physical to see kind of where my health was. Um, so that's kind of where that led. So how did you get to Germany? My husband was in that. the army. Yeah, my husband okay. was in the army. So he served in the army and that was one of his duty stations. So yeah, we got to live in Germany for three years, which changed my life in a million different ways. <laughs> so I, the story in your documentary is that uh, so some other army wives challenged you to go to CrossFit. Yes. 
Yeah. Love telling this story. I always joke that it's not my husband's favorite story because he tried relentlessly to try and get me to go to CrossFit with him. And when we first moved to Germany, he had said, there's a CrossFit gym and I want to go and try it out. And my famous words that still haunt me to this day were, why would you pay to go to a gym when there's a free one on post? Because I had no idea. Um, so he kind of let it go. And then, yeah, he deployed. And some of the wives were like, all right, we're going to go try CrossFit. And uh, basically had to talk me into it. And then, yes, there was a bet kind of going that who was going to be the first one to quit. So I'm not sure. I, none of them have, have do it consistently anymore. That's for sure. Um, but yeah, it's, it was just kind of a fun bet. I do have to say, to kind of expand on that a little bit, and in my friend Sarah's defense, my best friend, because I'm sure she's cursing me for that one, but um, I did give up a lot before, and she knew that. So like I had tried everything. I had tried, you know, going to regular gyms, trying ellipticals. I had tried every single diet that you could think of. And I did, you know, the, the meal replacement shakes a couple times a day. And, um, you know, I had some success doing that stuff. There were times when I had lost 20 pounds and then I had gained it plus more um, back because it just wasn't sustainable. So, you know, the kind of her knowing that history that I didn't have much success or stick to certain exercise regimens or nutrition plans before, kind of what was the joke was like, okay, well, who wants to take a bet on how long Haley will last? Um, but I did, I lasted. So <laughs> it, was, it was great too, because I was actually on my way back to the States to visit my family for three weeks. So the day or two days before we did our consultation, and I was so stoked from that consultation that every single day I was in the States visiting my family, I was going to the track. Um, I was, even if it was just walking around the track, I was going to the track, I was doing step ups onto the bench, um, push ups onto the bleachers. Like I was, I was on top of it. I was really excited um, because I was so out of shape. I was like, all right, I'm gonna give myself three weeks to get in the best shape I can get in uh, before I start CrossFit when I get back to Germany. So, and, and that's the first time I ever did that on my own. Just that pure motivation to just, uh, you know, get in as good a shape as I could. So at the time it was, I don't embarrass myself <laughs> going into that first class, but so what was it about that consult that gave you all that sort of motivation and energy to, to get ready? I think it was just seeing the modifications, having my coach show me different things. Like if, um, if I was worried about something, I'm like box jumps, like I can't do box jumps. Okay, well, you can step up. And here, if that box is too high, you can step up here on these plates. And I was like, oh, yeah, I can do that. Um, and then just the showing me the kettlebell, I pretty much became a kettlebell fan from the very first kettlebell swing. Um, and I remember it, it was a lot of it was motivation. It was, I am definitely my, uh, a words of affirmation person. And she picked up on that right from the beginning. So telling me things like I was strong, uh, that was like, awesome. I was like, yes. And so it was just, I think great coaching, definitely. And then uh, just learning that I can modify if I need to. I don't have to be able to do everything that at the time I saw my husband doing, like ring muscle ups and stuff. <laughs> like, I was like, I can't do that. Um, so just knowing that I can modify everything was really great for me. So you drank the Kool-Aid. Yes. You were all in. Your friends yes. thought you were going to be the first to quit. Mm -hmm. And you're still at it. How long has it been since you started? It's been six years, almost six and a half. So, yep. That, that's incredible. So what was the transformation for you from that day you first walked into a gym? And, I'm, and I know there's a physical transformation that's tremendous, but what did it do for you mentally? Yes. So I, uh, this is my favorite part to talk about because I, and this is what I always try and, and portray through my message. The physical transformation, yes, it's great. Um, I feel better. I have more confidence, but I think the knowing that I can achieve my goals 
and um, seeing progress along the way, even little progress at the beginning and being able to celebrate consistently different milestones is so much more important to me. Um, you know, I still remember I got my first push-up on my one-year anniversary of CrossFit, and that is one of the coolest experiences that I had. Um, and it's just being able to remember those things. But also, um, you know, I used to not want to leave my house because I just, you know, I it wasn't necessarily how I felt. I say I have this unique ability. My first secret power is being a shover downer. My second secret power is really not caring so much what other people think about me. Um, but in a way I still did. So I would get to the point where it, it's not necessarily that I looked in the mirror and hated what I saw because at that point I had done a lot of work, um, learning, you know, that I was a, a good mom, like, be, like being proud of that aspect because there's a, there's a lot that kind of is missed throughout those years where, you know, yes, I was struggling with my weight, but I also was a mom. So I had got to experience that and I loved being a mom and I got to, so my self-esteem kind of grew a little bit there. Um, also being a mom to a special needs kid, my 15 year old has autism. So handling all of that, being a military wife where my husband was gone, you know, my second child was born while my husband was deployed to Afghanistan. So that confidence, like I learned real quick, I was a dependent, like I was an independent person. Um, but there was still that worry about what other people thought, making fun of me, maybe that, uh, you know, reflected back to my teenage years of being bullied. But I didn't want to leave the house because I didn't feel comfortable in my clothes. And that was really sad to me or not wanting to be in pictures with my kids. If you look like I use the same before pictures all the time because I don't have any before pictures of myself because I avoided the camera. So that aspect has come a million, you know, fold. Like I, you know, I take as now my family, I think is so annoyed with how many pictures I take because I want those memories and I want my kids to be able to look back and see pictures of me in them with them, not just pictures of them. Um, and just, oh my goodness, I don't even know how to explain it. Quality of life, being able to um, climb mountains. <laughs> I mean, I, I talk about how I was out of breath trying to learn how to skateboard when I was a teenager, and now I'm almost 40 years old and I'm climbing mountains. It's just unbelievable to me. Um, it's So it's just that quality of life and that improvement and the fact that it's a journey, learning that it's a journey, right? So even when we have downtimes, because like it's, I still have a lot of rough days. Like I, I joke that, but it's, it's almost true. I still joke that like my great days are still, you know, kind of other people's bad days. I have to, I do, I struggle a lot with like mental health. It's a daily struggle. Um, so you know, there's, I don't really remember the question, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> it's all good. It's all good. So let me, let me ask a follow-up and, and we'll try to bring it back in. Okay. Is, um, so being the mom of a special needs child has to show to yourself that you're a strong woman. Mm -hmm. To raise two kids with your husband in Afghanistan shows that you're a strong woman, mm -hmm. right? And now when you clean and jerk X number of weight or snatch X number of weight, that is statistically showing you that you are a strong woman. Mm -hmm. Is that, is that what CrossFit is that final like puzzle piece to prove to yourself that you are strong? I think so. I think it's, I, and I see, I see the, the progress in my members too who come in and we joke around because we're primarily female dominant gym and I know a lot of that and I am blessed to be able to share my story and, and know that a lot of that is 
women kind of seeing my story and being inspired enough to come in and write their own. And that's the only reason I share my story because it is very hard sometimes to talk about that. But being able to see them come in and start with a, like a 15 pound barbell and then, you know, just coming in every, every day or three times a week and just putting in the work. And then, you know, a year later, I just had a member on her one year anniversary. She just hit 215 for her deadlift for two. And she was blown away. She didn't think she could do it, but she put in the work. She put in the effort and seeing her leave with the, that confidence um, from, compared to watching her come in to a year ago, it's just amazing. It's amazing progression. It's amazing progression of, of what a human is, a, is able to do. So, and it has nothing to do with the way she looks either. It, it was all with the fact that she is now strong and, and able. She is able to do that. And that, it's just amazing. That she could. Yeah, that she could. Yes, absolutely. That's it. And so now your, your strength has switched from you personally lifting that weight mm-hmm. to you helping others lift that weight. Yeah. Yeah. which is really cool. It's been a night, it's been a cool transformation <clears throat> that you continue to go on and it speaks directly to you that it's a journey. Mm-hmm. Yes. So you mentioned uh, in your answer before that you still have bad days. Mm-hmm. And I think that's, I think that's very common. We don't understand that for those right. who have went through these types of events mm-hmm. that you're going to have bad days. Yeah. You think okay. you're alone in that bad day but yeah. really a lot of people are having them. Mm-hmm. What are you doing to help yourself get through those bad days and make sure that you minimize them as much as possible? So my, I show up every day, and even if I don't want to. And that's, that's what I say to my members. The hardest part is showing up. And even if you show up and you're not feeling it that day, I don't expect like I don't go 100% every day. I don't know anybody who really does. And if it's even healthy to go in and just go 100% every single day. But just being able to show up and put in a little bit of work and know that that is better than not showing up at all. That is, you are a little bit better today than you were yesterday because you showed up not for me, but for yourself. And it's like that in every aspect, even with nutrition. I always tell people a little bit is better than nothing at all. Like if you can only commit to making one small change for a week, then just commit to that small change because you're better off this week than you were last week. Um, same thing with, you know, um, I do meditate. I try anyways usually every day, you know, I'm not back to my impatient personality. I cannot sit for 20 minutes in that day. I just cannot do it. I'm a yoga teacher and I still cannot do it. For me, five minutes is better than nothing at all. So I can commit to five minutes every day. So I'll do five minutes. Um, and it's just trying to, to hold the structure of what is going to make me feel better today. Um, I know what makes me feel bad. So I try to refrain from that. Um, and I just try and, and incorporate things into my life that are going to bring me up. So whatever that is for anybody, if that's like buying yourself flowers, like if flowers make you happy, then buy yourself flowers every couple of days. Um, just something that's going to show yourself a little bit of love. Like I, I try, I'm still, I'm still that punk rocker at heart, even at almost 40. So it's really hard for me to conform to kind of, you know, the normals, um, what everyone likes, but that's why I would say, find what you truly like. So, um, and, and just put, put that into it. And, um, you know, for me, that's CrossFit. For me, that's meditation. For me, that's trying to eat better because I know it makes me feel better. Um, and just trying to help other people. So, and that's where I put my effort into now. Um, and that is what keeps me 
being a better person every day. And that's my goal. Just every day trying to be a little bit better. So I want to, I want to do one more kind of trip through the years and, and kind of something that's evolved. When you were a teenager, you had a peer group that hung out together and you supported each other. Yes. It wasn't necessarily for healthy reasons, but right. you did that. Yes. Uh, you then moved into a punk rock scene mm-hmm. that was a group of people that supported you. Yes. You, you, your husband joined the army and you had an army wife group, which I'm sure was very similar to that. Yes, absolutely. How important is the CrossFit community to your success in your future? 100%. 100%. And I'll say it from the beginning. I, I tried everything, you know, and I'm not saying nothing else will work. But for me and my personality types, um, being able to have that community support, that group of people that you're looking forward to showing up every single day with, um, motivating each other. Because I, as a coach, unfortunately, I have to do a lot of workouts by myself now. And I 100% know that I always do better when I'm in a class with a group that is motivating me. Um, and it's that healthy, healthy competition. But then also the fact that we all hear it. There is always more applause for that very last person completing that workout than there is for everyone else. And last night it happened again. You know, we had a class and we were all standing around cheering on the very last person to finish. We had a time cap. We didn't care. We made them finish the whole workout. Um, so, you know, we, and we cheered them on through the very end. So it, it definitely is. And it's the friendships that come out of it. I love watching people form friend, friendships through CrossFit. I, you know, we're so different. They're so, we ha- are so different. We come from so many different walks of life. Um, but when you're in the gym, you all have that one thing in common. And um, what better way to get healthy than to surround yourself with people who also want to be healthy and want you to be healthy too. Um, and that's important, you know, and so building that, that good community, having that support system and, and it's so fun uh, going to, if you like CrossFit competitions, just that environment, that excitement. Um, it's, it's not, I mean, it really is like, I always say CrossFit is my life. <laughs> it truly is. Um, uh, some might say I'm a, it's my new addiction, but I definitely feel like this is one I'm not giving up. So, <laughs> so you're in a very fun and exciting time in your life. Mm-hmm. You and your husband opened up a CrossFit box mm-hmm. named uh, CrossFit Family Fitness. Uh, Converse Community. Converse. Yeah. Converse. We're Converse CrossFit too. Yeah. Yeah. We, we have kind of those, that dual name thing going. Okay. So where did the name Converse come from? Okay. So we are in Converse, Texas. So we're Converse CrossFit. Um, we did have another, we, we wanted another name, but unfortunately there was one just too similar. So we did settle on Converse CrossFit, um, but we do have um, all ages here. So we have senior classes, we have yoga, and we also have uh, kids classes too. So we have a Converse Community Fitness is also attached to that name. Um, but primarily we have CrossFit classes here. So you closed your original location yesterday? Yes, uh, three years to the day that we opened, October 21st, uh, when we held our last class in that location. And Monday morning, we're opening in our second location, our bigger location. So we're really excited about that. And you are standing in it right now. Yes, I am. I'm standing in it right now, (laughs) working tirelessly, but it's definitely worth it. So I've been following you on Instagram and seeing the updates of the inside and watching the build and the construction. It's been really exciting. Um, And I know that you've got to be just over the moon that Monday you get to open up this brand new, very bright and vibrant colored, punk rock (laughs) painted uh, gym. Yes, for sure. Um, I'm glad my husband agreed on the colors, but I'm (laughs) very excited. (laughs) 
Um, we got some black and white checkerboard going on too throughout the place to kind of tie it all in. So, um, is, is that a tribute to Vans of the? A little bit, yeah. I'm <laughs> definitely like a '50s spirit, at, like heart with the colors and stuff. So I always wanted like a retro style kitchen. Um, so while I was doing our kitchen at home, I got I was like, "Yep, this is going to be the colors for the new gym." <laughs> so I just kind of tied it all in here as well. It looks amazing. Thank you. Thank you. So what are your future, future goals with all this going on in your life? Is that all you can focus on right now? Or do you have future goals beyond this? Um, I mean, I think, you know, one thing the military taught us is you can't plan too far ahead. Um, this kind of fell into our lap. I'm very, we're very blessed. You know, we were, um, someone with one of our members was looking at this location for something else and it didn't work out, but thought about us. So kind of came and told us about it. And next thing you know, we're moving into a new location. So it's been a little bit of a whirlwind, but we have so much opportunity to grow here. Um, you know, we have two other buildings on the space that aren't being used that we can grow into. So you know, our goal is just to really provide a good community here in Converse, Texas, you know, where people can really focus on their health and wellness. Like I said, you know, I also teach yoga and I think yoga is extremely important. I always talk about the secret combination for me anyways, has been uh, CrossFit and yoga. I love the mobility aspect of yoga, um, but also, you know, that's how I learned how to properly breathe and body awareness and just being able to calm down and clear the mind has been extremely beneficial um, for me and my trauma. I know that. So um, I just Did, think. Uh, no, has, sorry, that helped, has that helped with the asthma? Uh, yeah. So that's another thing I, I love talking about is um, I have not been in the hospital for asthma since I had started CrossFit six years ago. Um, and just before I started, I started July. Um, that Mother's Day, I was in the hospital um, and I was actually admitted. I had to stay for two days from an asthma attack. So that alone has just been unbelievable to me. I was a smoker. I did quit smoking. So I know that's helped me majorly. Um, but I did smoke for probably a year after I started CrossFit. Um, so it was finally that realization that if I want to get better, especially at running, because I hate running and I still do, <laughs> but if I wanted to get better, that was definitely something that I needed to um, overcome. So I did and uh, still hate running though. I haven't overcome that yet, <laughs> but yeah, you know, I still have an emergency inhaler and I have to use it every once in a great while. But other than that, I really do not have any issues with my lungs at all. Um, every time I go to the doctor, they say everything sounds great. So, yep, I really have no concerns over it uh, right now. So that's awesome. And being in Texas and the heat that we have sometimes, um, that was always really nerve wracking for me because humidity was always really challenging with my asthma. Um, but yeah, I haven't had too many problems. So. I'll give a good thumbs up. <laughs> and and Joe is no longer serving. Right. Nope. Joe. Yeah. He got out last year, last January. So he did 10 years and then, you know, this opportunity just kind of came up. It was something that we've been thinking about. We, you know, struggled finding a community here that I think was focused more, um, I, I do competitions every once in a while, but a lot of the gyms that we were attending, it was just focused on com competition. And especially at that point, when I had first moved to Texas, I definitely was not there at that point yet. Um, so I kind of felt a little bit left out within the community. Um, and I wasn't really getting as much coaching as I think I needed at the time. So that's kind of when I started working um, with my husband more. Uh, we do have a rule now though, that he's only allowed to give me one correction per training session. So that's worked out a lot better, but <laughs> you know, for a while it was, 
we were having a really difficult time finding community. So we knew what we wanted to replicate from our first CrossFit box. Um, we're still very close with my coaches there. I still call them my coaches when I talk about them. Um, one of my coaches actually just came and visited us a couple of weeks ago. He stopped in. So um, he's in Texas now living here. So he stopped in to say hi. So it really is like they're still family. And it's been five years since we've been there. So still having that close relationship is important to me. And, you know, I just that's that's just what i want to replicate we wanted to replicate that relationship that coach relationship with members and that community environment that everyone is accepting accepted no matter you know your ability level and i think we've really accomplished that here so cat you have anything to finish up with who's a better coach you or your husband me no wait i'm gonna <laughs> let me go back he's a better coach than me however i'm a nicer coach I push people, but I'm just nicer in general. So we always joke about that. I'm the nicer coach. He's the meaner coach. <laughs> Our coach, no. <laughs> All right. Well, Haley, I got to tell you, you are an amazing woman. You are so strong. You've overcome so much. Uh, this was a pleasure to get to talk to you and and learn more about the backstory uh, that we saw in your in your documentary. So. Thank you so much for spending some time with us. Thank you so much. This is unbelievable to me. Over these past few months, um, I've gotten to meet so many people that I've looked up to for so long. It's kind of crazy. I was I, I was all red before I got on the podcast. I was really nervous to meet both of you, and uh, my face was. I get my face gets really red, so. I was really nervous about that, but um, it's, it's really been awesome. And I just appreciate everything that you both do for the CrossFit community. It's awesome. So thank you for having me and allowing me to share my story once again. Yeah, we, we couldn't do it without people like you. So we appreciate you just as much. Thank you so much. Good choice in the red background. That way we couldn't see your face anyway. Okay, good. <laughs> <laughs> Well, thank you so much. And uh, we'll let you get back to, I'm sure you've got equipment to move and, yep. and all this stuff in the new space. So good luck. Um, yeah, if we're ever enjoy. in Texas, we'll make sure we drop in. Awesome. Check it out. Looking forward to it. Thank you so much. All right. We'll talk Take to care, you soon. Haley. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you for joining us on Beyond the Journal. If you like what you heard, please consider giving us a five-star rating and subscribing to the podcast. We would really appreciate it if you write a review. That helps us broaden our audience. We're also available on YouTube for your viewing pleasure. You can check us out there at Beyond the Journal with the Clydesdale and Kat. And once again, I'm Scott Schweitzer. And I'm Kat Shear. And, and we're, we're taking, taking you Beyond the, the Journal. journal.